The Nets are officially in their offseason. That means it's time to start looking forward to the future of this team. And with that, we begin looking at the state of Sean Marks as the general manager of the Brooklyn Nets and whether going into this summer, his job, which he's been in for a long time, might officially be on the hot seat. We're going to break down what it looks like going for this team and the man who's steering the ship. Talk about all that. But first, the theme music. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome back to the Locked On Nets podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day, weekday of the week. I am Doug Norrie, the owner and operator of DFSR.com. That's DailyFantasySportsRankings.com. One of the longest-running NBA projection outfits out there. So go and if you want a free trial, you can go grab it at DFSR.com. we got everything else, too, MLB, PGA, NHL. Obviously, we got NFL coming around in the fall as well. So DFSR.com should get you started over there. No Adam Armbrecht on the podcast today. He's enjoying uh, Nets out of the playoffs respite, uh, we'll call it, to close out the week. It's all right. We'll be rip-roaring to go over here throughout the offseason. But today, there's plenty to talk about, even without Adam here. That's because we're heading into the offseason, officially the offseason for the Nets. We talked about you know, a few things having to do with the offseason already, like you know, the Dame Lillard thing. We talked about you know, the moves that could have been made, maybe at the trade deadline, uh, maybe regretfully not made. Talked about some stats that maybe are going to define the Nets going forward that creeped up in that Sixer series. And today, we've got to talk about you know, old friend Sean Marks and what his status is going into this offseason, because I think it's really time, and maybe some people feel like it's already been there, to consider Sean Marks as being you know, really on the hot seat here, like in terms of running the ship and, and, and steering this thing in Brooklyn, what it looks like going forward, because we're in a pretty critical timeline here, in an interesting sort of fork-in-the-road moment for the Brooklyn Nets, going into the summer and frankly just going into the future, about what could happen with this team. And with Marks, at this point, one of the few lasting pieces of the last you know, six, seven years of what this team is, it's really only Marks and I guess to some degree Joe Harris as the only pieces intact of this team that's seen it through all its different crazy iterations over the years. And with Marks now, we're getting to a point and like I said, maybe some people feel like we've already been in, at that point and past that point. I, I totally get that. Where Marx's job really could begin to very firmly and categorically be called into question moving forward here, depending on how things end up shaping out. Because there are different pathways for the Nets to take starting this offseason and then moving forward. He has some high-profile wins on the record. He has some high-profile, very, very high-profile losses on the record at this point. Maybe there's some contextual things around it. We'll talk about that. But in the end, I think when we begin to look at the holistic view of the Sean Marks tenure in Brooklyn over these last seven years, uh, the picture really that gets painted is of a guy who most other situations, if this was the state of the general manager, it'd be hard to imagine this guy would still have his job. Now, I'm not saying he shouldn't. I'm just saying that 
if we were to look at marks through the lens of almost any other GM or any other team um, in terms of what's happened here, this would just be a discussion and has been a discussion and probably will be a discussion going forward. Because when it comes to marks, we're now at a point where there's really no other holdovers for the different sort of regimes that he's overseen as the Brooklyn Nets GM. And when that's the case, I mean, there's really nowhere the buck ends up stopping directly at the top. There's no really nowhere else except for Joe Sy, one level above him. There's really nowhere else to begin pointing fingers about what's happened here. And the case with Marx is so interesting because there are many things to point to, which are clear wins in his favor or pieces that you would maybe feel comfortable with him guiding it through. And then there's obviously some pieces of this that have gone so bad that you do start to wonder at times or maybe often how it is that he's still sort of locked into this position and is he and you begin to wonder, is he the right guy to see this forward as we enter a new stage of the Brooklyn Nets? Because we're entering an offseason now where it's something of a crossroads moment. Is this look is this a team looking to rebuild, you know, strip it down and begin rebuilding it back from the ground up after the superstar era in Brooklyn came to a crashing halt? Is it time for a soft rebuild? You know, do they have enough veterans to begin thinking about, hey, we can be competitive if there's a few other pieces added with the ascendance of, of Mikhail Bridges onto you know a level above what most people probably thought he was coming out of Phoenix? Or are they in the in, in the place now where they're going to make yet another big splash in terms of the trade market and try to add a huge piece to begin putting themselves near the top of the NBA landscape? I think that last piece would be really, really tough to do. But GMs have tried big swings before. Marks has tried huge swings in the past. It's definitely in his repertoire to, to make big moves if he thinks those are correct. So that's definitely on the table too. But when we talk about Sean Marks on the hot seat, we have to really and, – and, and by the way, when I say hot seat, I, there's no official reporting that he is on the hot seat. There's been little rumors out there. It's kind of conflicting about where you land with Mark. Sometimes you'll hear that he's in the hot seat. Sometimes you hear words like lockstep uh, where he is with Joe Sy going forward. Uh, so it's sometimes a little hard to tell where they are. It's also difficult to tell what it, to some degree where his contract status even is right now because that information uh, does not appear readily available. But as we look into this offseason with Sean Marks, I think the idea here has to be that the job is has to be probably at least considered something on the line here. Um, and if it's not, it's, it'd be, you'd have to almost think why that would be the case. Like why would be, we be in a situation where Sean Marks, you know, appears to indefinitely have the reins of this GM job in Brooklyn after all the turmoil this team has been through over the years with some of the moves they've made. It's a really, really interesting situation. There's a, sometimes with these situations, more questions than answers, but Sean Marks, when it comes to this offseason and looking forward, I think we have to be fully on board here with the question of, you know, how many moves does this guy have left before either he's firmly in the job and you feel very good about this going forward, or he's, considered to be you know on his way out of, of being in charge of the Brooklyn Nets because I think this summer almost more than any other is one of those critical moments for Sean Marks about how things turn and where you feel and also the signals that are sent by the organization about whether he's going to be retained long term if there's going to be a vote of confidence 
and whether the fans or the organization thinks that's the right move. We're going to get into some of the pieces that have to be considered when it, when you look at Sean Marks, uh, his job over the last couple of years, and why some of these pieces around his tenure and around his future prospects might be have to be called into question uh, when, it, <laughs> when it comes to what the future of the team looks like. We'll talk about all of that in a second. All right, let's talk about the big stuff first here with Sean Marks. Look, we've been in a situation where I think I, I was just going to preface this by saying I think most times along this spectrum with Sean Marks in the moment, we've been on board with agreeing with the moves that have happened um, on a high level. I, I think if we're going to it's with sports, you always want to go back and rewrite history. You always want, we always work at least in these cases with the benefit of 2020 or 4020 hindsight, where you can just see perfectly how everything turned out um, and how everything ended up going. And you can use that to, sometimes give a false sense of maybe what you thought at the time. I get it. This is how sports operates. This is how fans are. It makes total sense to me. Going through the the huge moves that Sean Marks has made over the last few years, uh, you know, it starts off really well, uh, but obviously over the last few years, there's been continued trouble along the way with, you know, players or personnel changes. Here's the thing. When we look at Sean Marks's moves on a high level, you obviously have to start, with just very easy names that tell you a story that this we that the, this job should be on the ropes, right? Kevin Durant traded, Kyrie Irving traded, James Harden traded. Okay, all three of those guys, three huge superstars that Marks facilitated bringing into the building. That again, maybe everyone thinks different here, but at the time, each time these moves were made to bring in Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden. To us, at least, it was complete no-brainer territory. I get it. Um, the, that's that. I, I will not change my feeling on that. Most people would see that to be the case. Bringing those guys in one step at a time. Katie and Kyrie came in together. Yeah, DeAndre Jordan came with it. Maybe that's the price of doing business. Um, each one of those guys walks in the door, and you give Sean Marks at the time a huge A plus grade. I think at the time when the second those moves are made. Now, you give him the good grade for bringing those guys in, but you have to give him really, really poor grades for the fact that all three of those guys ended up asking out and wanting to be traded. We'll get to some of the coaches and we'll get to some of the pieces that came back here in a second. But just on a high level, just as much as those guys are wins on your ledger for bringing them in the door just to begin with when you sign a Kevin Durant to your team and free agency. I mean, like there's really nothing better than you can do. You bring Kyrie Irving and those skills into the door. You that's as good as you can usually do as a GM trading for James Harden in season for, I mean, for sure, like the package they gave up at the time that made total sense. So you get the good grades. The problem with this situation though, is when you, when it doesn't go well, you get dinged for the poor grades too, for not making it work. So when, yeah, do you want to say each one of these guys is maybe mercurial or, you know, different levels of that for sure. And it's not all the same. Was Kyrie the easiest guy to work with? It doesn't seem like it, <laughs> right? Like, um, were there sort of not constant, but a lot of issues with Kyrie over the years? Yeah. Okay. Does Marks get dinged for those issues? I don't know. Maybe a little bit, uh, maybe a lot of it, depending on how you feel about those situations. In the end, Kyrie has to be traded and the guy that you committed significant assets to 
ends up wanting to leave. That probably counts against Marks. Depend and that's and that depends. I don't even think that matters how you feel about Kyrie. I think that's just true. Harden, you know, see the situation. Maybe you want to blame Kyrie for that situation. You want to blame management for not being able to steer the ship right. Harden asked for a trade midseason after basically tanking to get out of a second situation. Is that on Marks? It's on marks that it didn't work for sure. Like, you, you know, the, the situation about bringing superstars in is the ability to keep superstars. That's part of the GM job as well. So you have, if you're going to ding them, if you're going to praise them for the move, you have to ding them for Harden leaving. Even if you are anti James Harden and think that it wasn't, it was more Harden than it was marks. I don't know. It's still on the general manager to make sure these moves uh, end up getting made or solidified. And then obviously Kevin Durant, when, you know, when Kevin Durant asked for a trade uh, twice <laughs> when it's all said and done, uh, that is, you know, the biggest mark that you can probably take against you because Durant's just so good that it's, you know, you it, it's your job to try to keep these guys in the door. Now with Durant, you say, well, that was his third team and now he's on his fourth team in his career. And he's asked out of asked or wanted out of other good situations like golden state, you know, just in good in terms of talent and championship pedigree, uh, wanted out of OKC and there's context around that wants out of Brooklyn, tons of context around that too. He's still on his fourth team. So maybe you say, Hey, this guy's, can you count it against the GMs for not wanting these for these guys not wanting to stay around? I don't know. That's the nature of the NBA. These guys want to move around a lot. Harden is on his fourth team too, right? I mean, he got traded from OKC, but you know he's still moved around, and there's talk he might move around again. Kyrie, he's already on his fourth team, um, and maybe on his fifth team by the time this postseason, uh, the the offseason is done with a new contract. So. You know, player movement, these guys are want to move around to get themselves in better situations. Is can a GM be faulted for that? I don't know, but when it happens a lot on your watch, it makes you wonder if that's going to happen again. And maybe that's just the nature of the NBA and this stuff always happens, and you just want steady hands more than anything else. But all three of those guys are on the Sean Marks ledger as being out the door, and that counts against them. And then you look at what was brought back in uh, for those guys, and the list is, you know. Good in some ways and ter terrible in others, right? You get Mikhail Bridges back for Kevin Durant plus a ton of draft picks, and you think, hey, that's a pretty good haul for Durant. If you're already willing to live with the idea that Durant is out the door anyway, then getting back Bridges and a bunch of Bridges and Cam Cameron Johnson, excuse me, and a bunch of picks looks like a win coming back. And you think that's like good job on Marks for holding out and maybe doing right by a guy who wanted out. You know, Kyrie, that was situation looked like they wanted to be out of the Kyrie Irving business get Dinwiddie, uh, DFS, and a couple of picks back. You think on a guy who's basically out the door anyway, probably think that's a win. Kyrie Irving still isn't on your team anymore. And then you get to the James Harden piece where they get back Ben Simmons. And I think that's a situation where you have to look at Marks and say, you know, were they aware of what was going on with that situation with Ben Simmons? Ben Simmons has played limited minutes. He's been mostly injured uh, for the team. He did not play the first season when they traded for him after uh, will he, won't he like uh, seesaw over the leading to that first postseason. And then this season situation where it's unclear about whether or not they think that Ben Simmons, I mean, how invested they are in Ben Simmons. I know they are monetarily. They owe him a ton of money. Um, it's one of those situations where you don't get tons of great vibes coming out of the, the front office around Simmons. Um, that's just because no one really says many things positive <laughs> from that, from that, from either camp around that situation. So it's hard to know, 
But when you send James Harden out and Ben Simmons is the big centerpiece that comes back in that trade and Ben Simmons barely plays for your team, that's on you as a GM to wonder about why that's the situation. So I think when we look at these, these big moves by Marks as a, a top-down piece or a holistic, just sort of bird's-eye view of these bigger moves – as much even for me who wants to give a lot of w's because i think a lot of those moves at the time were really really good the how they all finished is really really bad basically i mean unless you i mean depending on where you land on the durant trade i think you have to look at most of it as being really bad and you have to just ding them for these things going in negative directions so i think even if you're really really pro marks in those situations and we've been decently pro marks over the years you have to it has to count against you how all this stuff ended it has to count against marks about how these pieces ended up walking out the door, how these guys ended up leaving and whether or not you did due diligence on all these situations to begin with, to understand if they were going to be there for the long term or if they were good fits just on really any level. And I, I don't really put Durant so much in that one as the other two guys. Um, and again, that's me being on record for wanting to do those moves at the time. So I think with marks, when the superstar era coming to an end, this is the other part that makes you wonder about whether or not this guy is correct going forward, because it's just not clear that the moves are going to work. Everything that he sees as a visionary piece is all going to work long-term. And that is a somewhat troubling state of affairs. If you're a Brooklyn Nets fan, because we are at a critical time uh, during this off season about some of the moves that he could make. If some of these moves are for self-preservation, that's a scary piece too. I'm not sure if they are. The contract situation seems to be in limbo. We'll talk about that contract situation or you know, on the lack of clarity around it and about some of the other things that could happen that could end up shaping the Sean Marks era in Brooklyn. We'll talk about that in a second. All right, the final piece of this Sean Marks um, saga, your trials and travails uh, era, whatever you want to call the Sean Marks uh, timeline here in Brooklyn is that it's actually not totally clear about where he stands uh, going ahead in the future of this team. The reason I say that is because it's actually not totally clear what his contract situation is. Please ring in if uh, or leave a comment if this is um, has been clarified in some way. Try to track down this information. Um, and just to give you a little quick sort of like timeline of what has happened here, there were reports last summer that Sean Marks had been um, extended through with Brooklyn over uh, multiple years. Um, but then those reports were quickly denied. Uh, they came through a couple of reports that had happened. Then it was quickly backtracked by the team that there had been no extension. And as far as I can tell that going into this podcast and I put it out there, you know, trying to get the question answered, it seems as if con his contract status is unknown. Now unknown can mean he has a contract and everything's good because there were reports that he was in lockstep with Josai. Uh, no report, you know, no firm details around it could mean that it's still up in the air and they haven't figured this out. And, you know, and we're sitting here and they might be still in a negotiation process. It's not totally clear what his contract is. I will say the fact that that contract is not um, known or as far as I can tell confirmed anywhere does make me think that we are in a hot seat type atmosphere for Sean Marks. Uh, just because it's just not usually how things work when it comes to, you know, contracts and timelines and being committed to a single person or a regime uh, overseeing basketball operations to not know about the contract. I do find 
somewhat questionable. And like I said, if there's been reports on this with the contract that I'm just not aware of, please definitely let me know. But I, I just haven't been able to, to find what those, those numbers really are. And regardless of whether that's the case or not, you still, even whether under contract or not, you still have to wonder if Marks is the right guy going forward in a summer of big moves for the starters. Like I said before, if you're making your moves based on job self-preservation, it's always a tricky spot to be in. Uh, not saying that Marks is, but we're at a point this summer where things could look different based on how you, uh, someone felt with their job security. We talked about trading for Dame Lillard about whether or not we thought that would be a good idea for Marks and company to, to run through with the, with the Nets. We kind of agreed that it probably wasn't. I mean, unless the price was super low, which it won't be. So I think that like that's a situation where trying to be in on win now pieces for this team would feel like a mistake with the way the rest of the NBA is shaking out and with the players that might be available. But we saw a Brooklyn team that was desperate to make the playoffs this year in a season where they had no business making the playoffs already. That's a qu very questionable decision about whether they should have done that or not. You know, landscape wise, they probably should not have knowing they had their own pick spike, a lottery pick. Maybe, um, you know, you're rebuilding, trying to make the playoffs this year feels like a fool's errand. We were on board you want to be fans, you know, like I, I want to cheer for these guys to go as far as possible. Basketball is more fun when your team plays long-term view. Was it right to go for the playoffs? Damn, no, probably not. Definitely not trying to get your own pick into the lottery this season. And one of the few years you still have it would have made a lot of sense. They weren't going to, you know, what was the top end expectation around this team? Second round at most. And that would have been pretty much a pipe dream. So you have to question some of the just moves right on that standpoint. Like it um, a firm hand that saw it well into the future probably would have said, no, let's go for this pick. You know, we saw plenty of teams do this. Dallas was like, forget it into the lottery. Portland was like, forget it into the lottery. We saw it's not like teams get hammered for doing this kind of thing. Plenty of teams do it. It's all understood. So not doing it eh, strikes as a little weird, especially with the player personnel that they have. So you have to wonder about that decision. And then when you think about how marks could shape things going forward, um, Look, has he facilitated a, a rebuild before? Yeah, he took this team from just scraps and no draft assets and ended up with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Like that was a total miracle work. That was voodoo work uh, in terms of just like sort of just like moving the pieces around. But, you know, can he do it again? I'm not totally sure. The NBA landscape is different. People understand these situations a little bit better. The assets that he was trading on before aren't as readily available anymore. You know, taking bad contracts and taking draft assets back with it is like not a situation that happens as much anymore. Like he kind of created sort of something of a framework to do that, to get the team out of uh, the basement and back into the discussion. It's unclear that you'd be able to, you can't really take that tact again with the way the NBA is currently operating. So there's going to have to be a new set of moves. Um, and some of those marginal moves, uh, maybe somewhat questionable over the years. And you have honestly look too, like about, and I said at the beginning about who's left from this Sean Marks regime it's basically Sean Marks and, like I said, Joe Harris. They're on their third coach already, kind of four. I know it's only because it's Jacques Vaughn twice, right? It's Kenny Atkinson, Jacques Vaughn, Steve Nash, and then back to Jacques Vaughn. You almost can count Vaughn as two separate people in that equation because most guys don't repeat the job uh, one step down the line later. So I'm almost going to say like he's on coach number four at this point, um, even though Vaughn was there twice. Look, you've been through three coaches 
or I mean, Vaughn's the third coach. When you're on your third coach as a GM, most GMs don't last through three coaches because you hired the coaches, right? <laughs> like if you're the one hiring the coaches and you have to keep firing the coaches, well, why'd you hire those coaches in the first place? And maybe Atkinson got run out of town by Katie and Kyrie. Nash wasn't right for the job. You're on Jacques Vaughn now. Vaughn's in a long-term contract, so he's probably going to stay. But when you're on your third coach and you were the GM, hey, that answer is to you. Like, I, like that's on you for the for those decisions. So when we look at this thing, it's like really funny to. It is funny to look at. Let me put it this way: GMs that are facilitating rebuilds sometimes have a longer leash on their job because you're kind of always waiting for the dominoes to work, to fall into your favor. You get lots of draft picks, you know, you wait for superstars to mature. It's actually one of the best ways to retain your job as a GM uh, is to do that. I will say a situation for a GM where like they don't really have much of their own draft picks left and none of the players that they traded for those guys are on the team anymore. Very few GMs would still be in that in that job. If that was the case, I, I, that, that is not a hot take either. Like it's very clear to me that that would not be the case. Um, when you don't have the picks and you don't have the players, even though things came back and guys came back and they got some pieces back, um, for sure. But when none of the moves worked out where you don't have the picks or the players and you have, you're like one more step down the line, really very few, very few GMs, I think would still be in the gig that Sean Marks is still in. Maybe he's on the hot seat, maybe not. But I really think that this offseason is going to tell us a lot about what Sean Marks' future is for the Brooklyn Nets. And I would think that he has to be at this point very firmly on the hot seat when it comes to his job because there's just too many things on the ledger that point to a situation that typically doesn't last when it comes to the NBA. Okay, going to head into the weekend here. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Make sure you're log, logged on. Make sure you're subscribed. To, you can log in first, then subscribe over on Locked On Nets YouTube. Much appreciated, everyone that's over there. Million comments the last couple of days over the last couple of episodes. Really appreciated everyone mixing it up there with their thoughts on the Brooklyn Nets. Definitely keep it coming if you are not subscribed over on YouTube. Make sure you get over there, over on YouTube at Locked On Nets. Adam Armbrecht, usually the one that comes in with the quotes from the great American poets here at the end of the episode. He's not here today. That's all right. Two days in a row, we'll say Adam Armbrecht, one of the great American poets. We'll be back again next week talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball.